I do remember coming out of lockdown. I remember going, thinking to myself, should I be masculine John or should I be gay John? And I remember coming down the stairs and all these guys wearing orange looking up at me and I went, G'day there, I'm John from New Zealand. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Please Blow My Mind with uh, me, Will Fleming. We are on location today, well... Uh, this used to have trees <laughs> behind me, and uh, if you're watching on YouTube, and uh, now I don't know, they're all dead, so I don't know what that means. In my mind, it had trees and beauty, and I was gonna come here and set up all of the gear and then wow you with my scenery. But this is a version of Lord of the Rings where Frodo lost. <laughs> anyway. Let's get into this week's podcast. John Mabry joins me. Now, John and I connected uh, online, like many of the podcast guests uh, do with me. And we, we, well, here's the story. He emailed me one day and said, hey, Will, do you want your mind blowing? And I said, yes, I do, John. In fact, that's exactly why I started the podcast. And... He said, okay, well, here's the deal. Uh, it involves my story, and I'm not going to tell you until we are recording on the podcast. And I thought about it for a second, and I thought, hmm, that sounds pretty scary, but interesting and cool. And it was all of those things. Uh, it involves, I, I won't ruin it, but what I will say is that John goes to jail. And it's a story about humanity. It's a story about the balance of life and the chaos that happens when we don't treat people as humans. Maybe that's one of the through lines of Please Blow My Mind is trying to find the similarities between humans so we can act human uh, I wonder if sometimes we take for granted the, I wonder if we take for granted that it's not always guaranteed that we will be humane to each other, that sometimes we have to learn incredibly difficult lessons for us to find harmony in our lives. So John joins me, uh, John's really good friend Jennifer joins me because she's part of this amazing story too. I think that's about it. I want to get into this week's episode with John Mabry. John, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being brave enough to blow my mind because I said to you after we finished our interview, there's no guarantees uh, when you put content out how it will be received. All we can do is put stuff out that is true, is true to us, is vulnerable. Um, the world needs more of that, in my opinion, if we do not share more vulnerability and honesty and or even attempt to. Uh, I think we will um, continue in a world where it feels very um, hopeless. In fact, that's the theme that I've been hearing, uh, you know, with the Australian fires and, and, and just many stories is that it feels hopeless. And and I'm going to do a, a, another kind of uh, going deeper episode. These are the kind of companion episodes to please blow my mind where I talk deeper about hope and, well, not always hope, but I want to talk deeper about hope and, and why we should be hopeful and the kind of trick that is 
happening to us at the moment when we focus our attention on on what you know people serve us on social media in the media uh, it's kind of really tied in deeply to you know kind of mind trickery and hypnosis and and uh, but I'll, I'll get into that later uh, it all works in together on this podcast because we are kind of trying to suss out the meaning of everything but at the same time just living in the now you know not thinking too big but sometimes daring to 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 think bigger so john you blew my mind you're about to blow everyone else's mind thank you all for joining me whether you're here every week or you are new to the podcast hello welcome and thank you just checking my awesome notes john and jennifer yes amazing story about humanity revealing itself in the darkness yes who are the good and bad people in life? Well, this is a question we ponder in this podcast. And uh, going to get into some talk about hope, media, hypnosis, and a later going deeper. But for now, wishing you a good day or night wherever you are. And thank you all for blowing my mind. Welcome to Please Blow My Mind with me, Will Fleming. Please blow my mind. Whoa. That's the goal, brother. Get joy in your lives <laughs> yeah. every day. No, I'm just simply looking to be 1% better every day. I get it, man. We're together on that. That is mind-blowing. We've got a work cut out for us. It's the thing that inspires me to continue on. Everything happens, and then we find a reason. You just went deep. Jennifer, John, we are sitting out, um, well, people can see if they're watching on YouTube. We've made the call via messaging, you know, where, where we're going to meet. And that's the thing I love about this is before we're, we're here, like people just see us here, but we've talked about who's getting coffees and I'm going to put some money in your bank and let me do that. Like, and that's life, you know, like, you know, it's like we all want to um, just see the final thing, but none of us have the final thing. We all got up this morning. We're all thinking about stuff. I've got my kid here. We've got people going by, and there's something very human. You know, what's not human is another version of this, which also looks quite nice, but there's this planning behind it. There's this narrative behind it, and I guess, you know, like I said before we started, there's a bit of trust going on here. We're not quite sure where we're going to end up, but we have a fair idea, but that's, I think, where the X factor comes, where people, what, what, what they would call mindfulness today, you know? So we're only thinking about now and getting us three through and the people watching and listening. So I want to thank you both for coming. Um, John, we've been chatting back and forth online. As a lot of, the, that's a very common theme now with the guests. We've been chatting back and forth online, but we've finally, we've transferred this, so. I think it's the power, uh, Will, of of video and the power of LinkedIn, particularly. Power of love. Uh, power of love. Jennifer, let's not get into that. <laughs> who, who sings the power of love? Jennifer Warns? Jennifer someone. Jennifer somebody. <laughs> um, whispers. Oh, morning. no, 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 yeah, no. We started way too early yeah, for we that. Were. Yes, we're mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I also just say before we kick off, and I'll try not to talk because I know we're here to share a story, that that's all I know. I know we're here to share a story. So just a bit of background we've been chatting and you messaged me one day and you said you want your mind blowing and I said yes sir I do <laughs> and you're one of the only people who sends voice messages and it's weird because you're, you're loud when you talk so I go out to, of the room it's and I listen he's to deaf. it <laughs> well, should we cut that out no we'll leave it <laughs> keep it authentic what's that but you said you said well I want to come tell you a story and Jennifer and I are going to come on the podcast so we work back and forth trying to make it all work so I know nothing actually I'm just keen to go on a journey. So much in life, we never go on this journey anymore. It's all predetermined. It's all algorithm-based. And I, I want to say, excuse my language, 
earmuffs, son, fuck that. We have to try harder to go deeper. So I don't know much about the story. Let's just kick it over to you guys and let's go as fast as we want to. Let's start. Um, Jennifer and I um, have known each other for a good five to seven years, I'd say. And uh, I remember the first time that uh, uh, we met. It was in a bar in Takapuna and she said to me, John, come to Coachella. And I was like, what's that? I like listening to my 70s and 80s music. <laughs> Why would I want to go to Coachella? What's that? Long story short, I went to Coachella three years running, uh, 2014, 15 and 16. Mm. Uh, Jennifer introduced me to, uh, I guess, a whole new listening pleasure, the soundtrack to our life, music that is. Can I backstory that just a fraction? Oh, look, you, you jump in. So I, the first time I went to Coachella, I watched a video on... Um, I think it was I think it was on YouTube actually, and it was a framed around a DJ who does mashup music, and it was all around copywriting and who's who benefits from it and how mashup music works and how could you ever get the copyright for it. Um, the DJ's name's Girl Talk, and it and the the back, the last scene of the video, he's at, at this event called Coachella, and he's playing on his decks and the palm trees in the background, and it was absolutely beautiful. And I'd never heard of it. I knew nothing about it. It was 11 years ago. Mm. No one in New Zealand was going to Coachella back then. It was not on the radar here. And I thought, that looks amazing. It looks so pretty. And then I started seeing it, you know, as you do when you clock something, and it started turning up in Mag- Paris Hilton's at Coachella and so I thought I'm going to go to that I think that looks like something I'd like to do so that I got tickets because at that point it was quite easy to do and I went to Coachella with my ex-husband we knew no one in America I didn't have any friends we didn't really know where we were going we did a little bit of online like forum groups for to figure some of it out and we took ourselves off and we knew no one by the time John came which was about three years later how many people were there that first year in our friends group Oh, about uh, 80? Yeah, and, and it got up to about 140 at its best that right? of collecting people at a, at a festival. And so all of a sudden I went from knowing no one in America to having connections in California and uh, Utah U- and Utah and all over America mm. from going to this festival. And there's, yeah. the, there's this one song, or a particular, like Kings of Leon, you, you're a Kings of Leon fan? No, but I know that I'm aware... We'll get into my yeah. <laughs> so anyway. So there's a and this kind of does nice provide a nice framework to the story we're about mm. to tell. Is um, uh, there are about ten to fifteen people who have a tattoo on their person uh, that is called Revelry, which is a song by Kings of Leon, yeah. and it's kind of like the 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 word that defines our group. The word that defines who we are as individuals coming to music festivals, enjoying each other's company, having a lot of bit of fun mm. and listening to music. So there's there's mine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I so get a- Jennifer then introduced me to another festival called Bonnaroo. Mm. And we went in two thousand we went in two thousand sixteen together on a bit of a road trip. And then in two thousand seventeen we went and saw who was the headlining mm. at, at Somewhere along the line. We were uh, the the last time that you and I went together was you two was headlining, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I think was two thousand sixteen, mm-hmm. and the next year uh, would have been my was my fiftieth birthday, and I was like going, man, I'd really, I've really since two thousand fourteen, I've been to by this stage five or six festivals. It'd be really cool to be able to go for my fiftieth birthday and enjoy uh, a festival with all these really cool people whom we've got this really lovely bond with. Mm. 
So I remember uh, you want to frame the, the Bonnaroo. I can't remember who was headlining. Who who, who actually did headline? I don't I, know, John. I was far too busy the yeah, year that we went the, the, the to worry we about who okay, was. Okay, fine. So, but, but interestingly enough, in the same, so it was John's birthday, and then my now husband and I decided that along the same trip we would get married so we mm. uh, at the very end of it after going to a couple of festivals we w- decided that we would finish up uh, in Iceland getting married and that John would be my bridesmaid wow Time so the trip the trip was Bonnaroo Firefly which is another festival in Delaware get married and then go to Secret Solstice which is another festival in Iceland and John was going to be with us the whole time yep. and part of the wedding party but we didn't travel together initially and interestingly enough the night before we left so we went to Bonnaroo with John the year before and John was having the best time but there was some stuff that had happened that year that I wasn't particularly comfortable with and we'd had a few words about because <laughs> um, we have a very honest relationship and I had said to him uh, the night before we left Auckland we flew out before him I said to him if we have a repeat of last year John you're on your own yeah I'm not dealing with it. Just so you know, I'm not part of that. So I will see you in Tennessee. He was flying into Birmingham, Alabama. We were flying into Nashville and we were going to meet in the middle. So the long and short of it is none of that happened because I went to jail. I got on a flight from Auckland, went to LA, maybe had a few hours in LA. Then I went to Chicago, a bit of a layover. Then we were picking up an RV in Birmingham, Alabama, mm. which is, you know, way down south. And everybody talks like that, ladies and gentlemen. And um, I was meeting two friends from Utah there uh, who are now married and a, a gorgeous, wonderful, wonderful couple. And we were picking up one of those, you know, those Cruise America sleeps kind of six, seven people. Yeah. And our friend Elena, who is pint size, she'd be maybe five foot two. Yeah, um, and tiny. And she's tiny, beautiful young lady. And uh, she was like, "Yep, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drive this eight sleeper uh, Cruise <laughs> America." Thirty six foot Cruise awesome. America. And the the sad thing is, is uh, maybe it's Alabama. No offense to our southern friends. Um, the RV quality down there is terrible. Right. Like they because the fe- the festival itself is seventy five thousand people. Every RV that's available in any surrounding states taken. So you always end up with these really shitty RVs yeah. that are not in the best state of repair. So mm. poor little Elena, who's like five foot two and probably weighs forty five kilos, is driving this massive old dunger <laughs> yeah. of an RV. And literally, we picked up. I met them at the airport. I'm pretty tired, but I'm excited because in and he's texting us the whole time because we're meeting in the middle. Yeah. yeah, so we're kind of meeting at Bonnaroo. To give you a perspective, Bonnaroo is in Tennessee. It's a festival. How many people go to, go to, mm, go to Bonnaroo? 75,000. It's about 000. an hour and a half south of Nashville. Mm. But yeah. it's, it's the same kind of basic lineups as... So the lineup for Bonnaroo for the, this year has just been released and it's uh, Tool is headlining right. it with Lizo. And so, you know, it's like the same same yeah. kind of thing as, yeah. as all the rest of them. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I get to see all of my friends that I have met at other various festivals all along the way for his and, birthday um, for my 50th birthday anyway so we're driving we're driving this cruise america bus <laughs> and we're just i'm having a bit of a nap in the background looking forward to seeing everybody and we hear sirens behind us and it's you know it's 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 like well what are we doing it's like there's no one else on the road it's like a dual highway um, but these things are friggin' wide and i have no idea about driving i don't i've never really driven in america and we're literally driving down the road and the sirens are behind us and da 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 and um, we, 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 we get pulled over and 
then you know it's a routine traffic inspection, mm. and the 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 uh, the police officer, Jason was his name, prick of a man, but let's not go there. <laughs> and um, Jason was this big burly character. He would have been six foot seven, yeah. you know, decent old wide thing. And um, anyway, pulled us over and. Elena had lost the papers or couldn't yeah, find the yeah. registration papers that picked up from an hour ago. She was in tears and it was like, you know, it was just... And then he somehow came on board. He came into the cabin area. Wow. And Which is an interesting thing because we don't really think about it here in New no. Zealand because that doesn't happen to no. us. And he said, can I come in? And they said yes. You're right. Because he's yeah. a police officer yeah. and you say yes. Whereas in the United States, all of our free American friends are like, you said yes? Right. Like, what were you thinking? Yeah. You, ju- you say, where is your cause? Where is right. your warrant? Yep. No, go away. Mm. Um, these guys mm. said, sure, come on in. And, you know, <laughs> I, I was with two Americans and, you know, I largely, and then he, he kind of, he said, well, where are you going? We're going to Bonnaroo. And I kind of might have had this big kind of pimp uh, furry jacket that was going to be my uh, bridesmaid outfit in, in, in Iceland that Jennifer was wearing. And I kind of looked like a drug dealer. Uh, I really did. And I was, I'm excited. I'm from New Zealand. I'm like, I'm yeah. just being authentic. I'm being myself. Well, And John is known for saying too much. Sure. <laughs> this is a Kiwi thing. Can yeah, I just totally. pin it for a second? Yeah, totally. Like, we were at Customs in America, my wife and I. She's German, so you know, European, already kind of a bit bossy. I love you, darling. Um, but we were in America, and the guy said, business or pleasure? And I, I was like, you know, I'll make a little Kiwi joke. I said, oh, well, we're going to go shop at a few malls. You know, and he's like, looked at me and she's kicking me she said oh, uh, we're here for pleasure you know and they just want to know yeah. and then it happened again at the White House I had my son who's you know running the camera he was strapped on me because he's a baby and we, somehow we got into the White House and they said put your items in the scanner and I said does the baby have to go in and, and like, that's not funny grabbed his gun <clears throat> he said that's not required and I was like oh you guys don't get us. no no. So I get when you're wearing a pimp yeah. jacket. I reckon that's gangster. That's like you're yeah. on holiday. Yeah. And look, you know, we just we have no correlation to what it's like there. So anyway, yeah. the longest story short of it is uh, he came up with the question of can we search you? Now, wow. you know, I was with Americans who. I want to say they probably should have known better. But then again, I, I, I led the conversation. I said, look, I've got nothing to hide. You sure you can search me? Yeah. Not a problem at all. Probably not the best idea on the right. world. <laughs> but had you ever been asked that question? Never. Before? No. Right. Never. So, no. That's a very fine. But thing. interestingly enough, if you talk like because I've got we've got a large circle of friends in the US, pretty much all of the guys that I know in America have been arrested, have mm. spent a night in jail at least. Right. None of them have done any, or a couple have done time, but but most of them have been busted because that's the system over there. It's so different than here. And when you go to a festival or you go out and about, the police are very serious. I was just at Rhythm and Vines on the weekend. The, the biggest presence the police has was taking selfies with the kids. Yeah. So our attitude towards the law is very different to theirs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So suitcases were opened, uh, um, uh, toiletry cases were opened, and he's got his little blue gloves on, and he kind of opens up a particular bottle, and he, you know, out comes my Xanax tablets, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, it's just a put that into perspective uh, as an HIV positive man I've always kind of had um, Xanax or travel with Xanax Um, and yeah okay I might have been wanting to trade them for other things at music festivals it's like well this is what people do at music festivals don't they so again I want to make this there was also a pinger from uh, Splore that was also in that bottle that kind of came out and I went oh shit 
where, what the hell is that? And I remember back to Splore, it was the year before, mm. and I think someone had bought for me. Okay, I had bought. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, because you just looked at me, I was like, I did not buy you anything that you ended up in your Xanax bottle. And I think I'd bought six pingers, and none of them worked. Um, very typical of New Zealand uh, MDMA. And uh, anyway, so, and I must have thrown the sixth one in with my Xanax bottle, and that had been sitting there since April. Uh, or whatever swore was of the year before and had gone through, so clearly I hadn't used the Xanax either, and then out came this pinger. And I, I was like, shit, what's that? It's, oh, Christ. Mm. So anyway. Um, uh, they but said, even, even with that, here in New Zealand, that would be an inconvenience. You know, like if you got pulled over by a New Zealand police officer and that scenario happened, it's not ideal. You'd be in trouble, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah. No one's going to die for that. But in Franklin County, where we were, it was. Mr. Mabry, you are detained. Just go and stand outside. Then he went and um, searched the other people, and he found Elena had a... She had an Adderall. An One Adderall. Adderall. One Adderall well. in a non-Adderall bottle, and she was detained. And then another police officer arrived, and then suddenly they said, Mr. Mabry, you are under arrest. And I was like, oh my Did they God. read you, you know, rights? They, they read me rights. They, they put me in the back of a police... You know, this is this is the whole thing. It's like, Christ, I've never been in the back of a police car before, let alone mm. been handcuffed, let alone... You know, I'm a, I'm a white boy from Takapuna. This has never happened to me before. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, I really want... I guess the, the, the reason we want to tell this story mm. is it's a traveller traveler beware story, yeah. but it's also... It's a story that's freaking amazing yeah and i'm so glad that i had this experience in hindsight right yes i would have okay let's 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 <laughs> let's let's get deeper into the conversation yeah. so anyway i'm in handcuffs i'm being driven to the police station or the station or the the, the place where we're the jail yeah. <laughs> And, you know, Mr. Jason Brockman said to me, so, John, you know, you know, don't worry when you when this ordeal is all over. You know, you'll come back to Franklin County. You'll have a grand old, grand old time. And I'm like sitting there. He did put the handcuffs in the front rather than the back. Right. And I was like, you know, but they, they, they found all sorts of other things in my, I think I had some vape juice. And he came into me in the back and says, is this being used to make meth? I went, oh Jesus! I went. Um, yeah. No, it's 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 vape stuff. Mm. Anyway, so you know, by this stage, I'm feeling pretty scared. I don't know what's going on. Even as a 49 year old, in the last couple of days of being 49, I was pretty petrified. I get booked in. Elena is there with me. We're both pretty uh, uh, um, distraught. Distraught would be a word. Both of us are, are feeling. Shit, this is not how uh, our festival journey was meant to go. And I remember during the, you know, they, they put you in a drunk tank. This is what they call it. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm in shorts, I'm in a t-shirt, and they give you a, a blanket with holes in it and a, like, a, like a little mat, and they just put you in this drunk tank. And it's quite normal. So to give you a sense of the Franklin County Jail, mm. there is a drunk tank, male and female, uh, cells, if you like, and it's just a, the drunk tank is typically where literally you're drunk and disorderly, and they will arrest you and they'll put you in the drunk tank. And then there's a there's a commissioner. The commissioner is a person who literally would look at your crime or whatever you've yeah. done, and then assess where, what the bail should be. So in the in those first two hours or three hours of being in that drunk tank, aside from being pretty scared, there was one big 
motherfucking black dude <laughs> who didn't look very nice at all. Yeah. And uh, he just sort of had this menacing look on me, look right. on him, and he would look at me and blah blah, and he was. You know, mm. cutting up in the corner, mm. and there was this other dude, and he was just, you know, so drunk. he was drunk, <laughs> and and literally, it was probably to give you a sense, it's it's two o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday. Mm. Pretty sure Tuesday. No, it was Thursday. No, it was, it was a Wednesday. It was a Wednesday. Okay. Sorry, it wasn't. Yes, that's it was, right. Because you called, I got Wednesday. the call on the Thursday. It was a Wednesday. So Wednesday, two o'clock, and I'm like going. And then I had this had this conversation with this black dude, and 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 you know, he said. So what are you in here for? And I went, um, I've got Xanax and a pinger. Uh, and he said, Oh look, you'll be out. You'll, you'll be out of here in, you know, a couple of hours. You know, you're bound with you. You you you'll need a bondsman. I'm like, what the fuck is a bondsman? Yeah. And he said, literally up here, there's all these people have etched bonds numbers on the on the on the cell wall. Really? And and he said, you'll need to you call this guy. This guy's this guy's pretty damn good. Um, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I don't know what advice from your cellmate. <laughs> from the cellmate, from the very scary cellmate. I learned a lot in that first hour of being in that drunk tank. I learned about the American uh, 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 police system, how it works, how it works in the county that I was arrested, uh, how it works in Tennessee, what happens when you go to the. So basically, the commissioner came in to me and there was a bit of questioning going on between Jason Brockman and myself and he said to me where did you get the Xanax from and I was like well stupid fucking John told the truth didn't he he said well I got them in Mexico didn't I (laughs) (laughs) Mexico you bought Xanax in Mexico anyway so you know the the you know then you've got this pinger that was like a, a capsule thing so anyway and then the 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 they come back in and they said, Mr. Maybury, uh, your bond has been set at $100,000 because it appears that the Xanax has tested positive for ecstasy, meaning that you've gone from one pinger and 20 Xanaxes to possession and supply of a class one drug, $100,000 bond. Whoa. And I went, I'm fucked. And it was, it was just quite surreal. So by that stage, I've learned from this black fella that you can get out on a 10% of your bond. So you've got to pay the bondsman 10% of what of your bond mount is. Now, so suddenly I'm, I'm thinking, well, I would have to pay, you know, $1,000, etc. Um, and I'd be out on a $100 bond and, blah, and Bob's your uncle, I'm, I'm back to the festival. 10,000 US dollars. I didn't have 10,000 US dollars on me. I didn't, I, I had access to it potentially in New Zealand through, through some property arrangements, but not, not, not no. cold hard cash. Yep. So, anyway, um, by this stage, um, I'm kind of inquiring with the guards and saying, has the woman that I've been arrested with, has she been released? As in, is there a big fuck off? Cruise America camper still parked outside the jail, and the guys came and said, No, it's gone. So it's at that point that I went, Okay, well, I'm staying put, and I've got no, I've got no, uh, I've got no, you can't use a phone, it's illegal to use a phone in a jailhouse. Uh, so I've got no access to the outside world. I'm alone. What have I got? And then Elena 
obviously made it back to the festival and that's when you got word. So by the time Elena got out of jail and they got back into the RV and they got to the festival, it was quite late. So she didn't phone me until the Thursday morning. And we'd, had, we'd been in Nashville and we'd had a huge night. Um, so I'd had very little sleep because we were all celebrating the fact that we were there. And uh, the phone rang and it was Elena and she said, Jen, there's a problem. Oh. And I'm like, okay, what's the problem? And she said, John's in jail. Wow. I'm like, what do you mean John's in jail? Yeah. And I'm foggy, like I've just yeah. woken up. And she said, and she told me the story. An abridged version of it. She's like, we got, we got pulled over. John had some drugs on him. They searched the RV. He's been arrested. He's in jail. And so it took me about probably 15 or 20 minutes to kind of process that, to wake up and think, oh, shit. Oh, shit. All right. Okay. Well, what do I do? Like, what happens now? And so I, the people we were staying with, who were the most wonderful, kind, generous people, that I, and I met them at a festival the year before. They barely knew us. Right. We'd had an, they'd been our camping neighbours at Bonnaroo the yeah. previous year and they'd yeah. said come stay with us and we were like sure let's go stay with them <laughs> so I woke them up and said okay there's a bit of a problem Yeah, our friend's been arrested mm. and they said look let us phone some friends of ours who might be able to help and get some information so they phoned their friends and their friends phoned the, the jail and were we were delivered the news that John had been arrested for a felony uh, charge of possession with intent to distribute with a sentence of 25 to life and a hundred thousand dollar bail. Um, what? So ten thousand dollars as a as a bond, but they also to get that uh, bond secure, you have to secure the rest of it against a property in state. So somebody would have had to put a ninety thousand uh, dollar lien on their property for us to have been able to even consider that. Which of course we didn't. <laughs> Someone who you've met for an hour, hour. at a festival the year before. <laughs> who said, come and stay. Now I'm going, do you mind if we just throw like $90,000 yeah, on your mortgage? Because yeah, we yeah. need it to and get we'll John out of jail. Um, so, yeah. So, it, yeah. At that point, the reality of it really sunk in for me. I was like, oh, shit. Like, this is serious. Like a helpless reality? Like, because, you know, <laughs> when people say um, a reality sunk in, what is that? Do you remember the feelings? Because uh, I guess you're thinking, oh, it's not so clear what the next move is. So for me, the, and I, we talked about this um, recently, for me the single overwhelming, like most uh, momentous thing from the whole thing was my thought of, shit, if I was in John's position, mm. the only thing that would keep me sane right now was the knowledge that someone was doing something about it. Yes. Yes. So the, that was the only thing on my mind was I've got to sort this out. Like yeah. this is on me now because yeah. John can't do anything from where he's at. He can't do anything. This is on me. I've got to get John out of jail. Yeah. Um, and I have no idea what the landscape is. So ironically, do you remember the show Banged Up Abroad? Yes. So we watched that in the States with I've got a lot of friends in America I've got a lot of people that I love over there but the, my original founding people who I've met very first is a, a couple who live in Los Angeles Lionel and Kelly Passamonte the heart and soul of my friendships yeah, over wow. there they're the most phenomenal couple they're very different Lionel is alpha male he's the man he can get anything done part of a lion um, and Kelly loves the sweetest girl you're ever going to meet and we watched Banged Up Abroad with them here in New Zealand when they came down to visit us. And I said to Lionel then, if I was ever banged up abroad and I have one phone call, you are the guy I'm going to call because you are the man. So when I got the news that John and I processed this situation, I was like, Lionel. Yeah. And my opening line on the phone to Lionel was, you know, hey, Lionel, 
you know how I said that uh, if I was ever banged up abroad, you're the guy? And he's like, oh shit, where are you? Whoa. And I'm like, it's okay, I'm good. I'm fine. And he's like, where's John? <laughs> he knew. Where's John? Oh what does that say about Absolutely. John? Reputation. If anyone was going to get into trouble, it was going to be John. I mean, he'd already warned us the last time we went to the South. Remember, he told you to behave? It's your guy's own podcast. Stop it. So anyway, so I find Lionel and I said, look, this is what's happened. This is what we know. Um, I don't know what to do from here. And he's like, okay, give me five minutes. I'll get you some contacts. Whoa. So he put me in contact contact with a, a lawyer, 0800 No Cuffs, if anyone's ever in California and needs a lawyer, that's your man, 0800 No Cuffs. He's a celebrity lawyer that can get people off charges. Um, and Lionel and him went to school together so they know each other very well. Um, and so I spoke to him and he put me in touch with a Tennessee lawyer. Mm-hmm. This is all f- happening while I'm trying to get myself down to Bonnaroo because we're still going to a festival. Um, so we got ourselves in the car, we got ourselves down to the festival, we parked up. It was so surreal. Like I, re- I remember the sense of surrealness more than I remember the order in which things happened because it was so bizarre. I'm like, I'm on the phone constantly liaising between. Lionel, who's getting me in charge with and hold of Darren, who's the LA lawyer, who's getting me in charge. What was your guy's name? Anyway, old mate, oh, it'll, old mate it'll, it'll in, in Tennessee, yeah. Um, yeah. and then a bail bondsman because I need to get that situated as well. So I'm talking to a bail bondsman in California who's putting me in touch with a bail bondsman in Tennessee because everything has to be done in state. Mm. You can't get a California lawyer to represent somebody who's right. in Tennessee, which for us again is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like here, a lawyer's a lawyer's a lawyer. Mm. You don't need to think about it. So I get to the festival, set the fest- we set our RV up, we get ourselves in place, I'm still just constantly on the phone, and then I start getting calls from the rest of our crew going, what's happened to John, what's happened, what's happening? So everybody's like, what's happening, and everybody's freaking out about it. And I'm just trying to be very practical and functional about I need to get the order of things right. The friends in Tennessee are also saying to me, shit, this isn't good, this isn't good, this is not good, mm. like John's in trouble, this is not good, and I'm like... I don't want to hear this. I just need to get him out of jail. It's my job right now. I've got to get John out of jail. So, um, so yeah, we went through the process, and I, like I say, that was my thing. I was like, I, in my mind, I've got to get John out of jail because if I was in jail, I know John would Correct. do that for and me. And this is a span of like a day, half a day, half so, a day. So, so to give you, so to give you a perspective, now back in jail, yeah. then they kind of, I remember uh, they book you in, right? Yeah. So, and I remember coming into the, there was a, a desk and what have you, and Jason Brock was over there, and he held up my passport and went, "We've got one." Whoa. Meaning, we've never had an international oh. arrest before. I felt like I was a fucking trophy. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I probably was. And then the booking and process, this very large bird behind, yeah. the, behind the dash said, name, John. Last name, Maybury. Uh, social security number. Oh, we don't have those in New Zealand. How do you tell people apart? I said, we have names. <laughs> <laughs> and she looked at me with this stern look. It's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> um, anyway, and then I get put into orange clothes. Really? So Ooh. to give you a layout, so there's the drunk tanks, yeah. and then there's the, the back of the jail. And I call them pods, where... Uh, there is a there is uh, uh, pods of about uh, I think well uh, there were five pods. There's a women's pod. There's a, a a state pod where all the state career criminals go. There's a black pod 
uh, there's a normal pod and there's a fixed sex offenders pod. Right. They put me in the sex offenders pod. Really? I don't know why they might be, but it was just like, let's put the international in with the weirdos. I don't know. It was the pimp. It sounds like they're uh, low in bandwidth, so they were like, very good. Yeah. So anyway, they put me into lockdown. Now, to give you a sense of the, the, the pod, uh, it's kind of two levels, uh, 10 cells with two bunk beds in each cell, and 43 men in that pod. Now, you do the math. So I was in lockdown with three other guys. Their names were Timothy... Zachary, Randall, or Bubba, and myself. And literally, you want to give a sense of a typical parking space would be the cell with two bunk beds, probably even less than that, and a toilet. So that was your toilet. This was my head sleeping. So literally, I was like put into, and then the, you know, the food. these guys are sex offenders. All I know is these guys are, you know, to give you a sense uh, everybody, the most people in this pod uh, were average age, probably 26 mm-hmm. to 28, somewhere around there. And they're probably meth dealers or skirt lifters. I don't know. I didn't mm-hmm. really go into too much into right. what they did. Right. I did have lots and lots of conversations, which I'll get to. But initially, I was put into lockdown and um, I was in with these two guys, these three guys. And one of them was just had zero brains. His name was Bubba. Mm. And he was like, mm. hi, John. Would you like to read my book? <laughs> and I'm like, sure. <laughs> um, this book is about Goldilocks. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. That's just something like- it was like, you know, and I know you could see yeah. why he was in jail. He just had no brains. Yeah. And, but, and then there's other two guys, the shirt's off, it's June, it's, it's Tennessee, and they're like banging on the top. What I found out that these guys had been put into lockdown with had been in fights, right? They'd been in fights at other pods. So I found that out. And then the food would arrive, and the food, to have to tell it, was pretty shitty. Really? Um, you know, breakfast, like milk, grits, <laughs> uh, grits, which is like what a is cor- grits? corn. Grits is like a cornmeal that they make with cheese traditionally, right. or they can just do it like porridge. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. <laughs> anyway, so literally this tray of food would arrive, and I'd just say, boys, here, you have the food. Protect me. Really? Protect me. You know, I'm thinking I'm a 50, almost 50-something guy. I'm in a jail in Tennessee. Uh... I've, I, you know, I have no correlation of what this experience is like. I've seen movies on, you know, about jails. Yeah. I've, I've, I've seen this, you know, that's all I've seen. And now I'm wearing orange with <laughs> orange clogs and an orange elasticized pants and an, an orange, beautiful, stunning outfit, I tell you. Um, almost want to recreate that for another, for the anniversary of my jail sentence. Um, it's the orange party. And... Um, literally, the, the, to give you the sense, in the pod, there's 43 men. There's a pod leader, which I went on to meet him um, right. once I got out of lockdown. But in that initial couple of days of lockdown, the food would arrive, and I literally, boys, protect me, protect me, protect me. And then they, um, and then eventually, I got out of lockdown because I wasn't in lockdown. The other guys were because they'd been mm. in fights. But then I found out, yes, they'd been in fights. But they'd lost every fucking fight they'd been in. That's why they were in lockdown. Damn. So I've given away my food to the fucking losers. <laughs> the weaklings. Yeah. But but what 
do you remember what you, your decision making was? Did you think I've got to leverage whatever I can? Like, because you know, obviously, well, he was scared. a bit of a celebrity too because oh, he had right. a New Zealand accent. Shh, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. <laughs> so, to give you a perspective, um, you know, everybody, you know, the, the, these guys, these two, I'll call them rooster guys, Zachary, uh, Zach, and and Tim, and they'd been in fights and they were banging on the doors and and telling these other people in the pod who they're obviously, you know, it's uh, uh, jail is a microcosm of life, right? Yeah. There's there's people live life and do business etc uh, and then when something goes wrong you go to jail when you go to jail people trade uh, shampoo for moisturizer or a chocolate bar mm. for what have you and when you can't uh, when you over cook yourself you get beaten up mm. and right. and these guys had been beaten up because they couldn't trade and they were banging on doors and what have you and I remember after about an hour of them yelling, screaming obscenities out, out, the, out the door to these, this guy that obviously had beat them up, um, I said to him, Tim, get your fucking ass and sit down here. And he did it. And somewhere within the depths of John Mabry's coaching ability, he found the most profound words to coach Tim and Zach on wow. who they were being what they were doing in jail and literally uh, uh, um, tell them to calm the fuck down, take responsibility for your life. And I was like, where the fuck did this come from? <laughs> anyway, I get out of lockdown. And by this stage, uh, you want to give us an update of what's happening? Yeah. Uh, you've, 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 you've found a lawyer? So I found a lawyer and he was great. So I spoke to him and he said, look, whatever else happens, John will be arraigned on Monday. Whatever you do, do not let him appear in court on Monday without somebody that you have hired as his counsel. Because if he goes to court with a court-appointed attorney, the bail will be set at $100,000. And once it's been set, you can't change that. Yeah. There is no way that that will be uh, able to be modified. And he will probably sit for three to six months in jail while his case gets to the top of the pile. So you need to get him a good attorney. Whether it's me, whether it's someone else, you need to get that sorted. And I'm thinking it's you. It's you. I found a, you know, I found a lawyer, um, and he's so so. I'm happy to represent John, but I'm going to be need to pay, be paid up front, and it's seven and a half thousand US dollars to yeah. represent him, um, and I need that before the weekend. Yeah. And at this stage, it is Thursday afternoon, so it's Friday here in New Zealand. I don't have ten thousand New Zealand dollars available to me. I could probably, if I was in New Zealand, have extended my mortgage or done something but I don't have money in the bank t to play with so I was like oh shit I gotta find 10 grand by end of Friday in New Zealand to get this to happen which gives me a window of about four or five hours far out yeah to try and figure it out and now John and I have known each other for about eight years but I don't and I and I know his friends outside of our friends mm. group but I don't really know them I don't have them on my phone they're not my mates yeah. and so I thought who do I know that I've got availability to and on Facebook the only people outside of our group of friends that I was friends with is his sister um his youngest of your sisters Sue. Sue. Yeah. yeah. Sue. Who's the sweetest, sweetest woman you're ever going to meet? She's so adorable. Did they all know what was happening? No. Well, we not at this stage. Not at this stage. Not at this stage. You were just trying to contain. Yes. Well, no, because no. I was really the only person gotcha, outside gotcha, of the yeah, Americans gotcha, gotcha. that knew what had happened. So I had to phone Sue yeah. and say, darling, this is what's happened. And she's such a sweet person. She's very um, sensitive and very gentle mm. and, she, and, and religious. And she said, I will pray for John. Yeah. And I was like, cool, that's fantastic. I need a little bit more than thoughts and prayers <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, money is what we need. And she said, well, I don't really have any. I was like, okay, cool. All right, well, that's good. I appreciate that. Yeah. Now what am I going to do? 
so I went onto Facebook and again in terms of like the cautionary tale for a traveller and, and and how we use our social media John like a lot of people has his, uh, pro, his prof, Facebook profile set to no one can see who his friends are mm-hmm. um, and I had the same thing because these are my friends and I want to keep that private and what I realised is there are times when your friends need to know who your friends are right. and this was one of those moments so I went to John's Facebook page to go okay cool well I know Chris and I know Peter and I know all of these people um, so I'll just get con- through contacts through them f- through Facebook and went to go friends of friends and John's got that secure so I mm. can't find them yeah. so I'm like oh shit so the family's out and I can't get hold of his friends and I need to get 10 grand and I'm running out of time and then I had this like moment of oh shit I know one of his very good friends Chris his wife is a client of, of my salon um, and I can get into my salon system so I access our salon system I get hold of her finally get hold of him start having a conversation with John's friends in New Zealand and I've still got some of those text messages. Reading back now, it's hilarious because you know you can feel in the text messages there's the sense of the responsibility that I felt. I've got to get John out of jail yeah. and I've got to get money. And the guys were amazing. Your friends were incredible. And that was a really lovely moment of I felt like the weight was off my shoulders completely, yeah. like there was somebody else that was actually part of this. And... Um, and over the course of the next day or so, so I'm in the middle of a music festival at this point, um, and I'm like, and we're there with you know, 25 of our friends, and everyone's having a whale of a time, and they're drinking, and they're dancing, they're having a good thing, and I'm just completely focused on this, and and I probably could have relaxed a bit buzz, more. Dude. Dude, totally, killed totally the killed Sorry. the buzz. It's all right. I'm going back to Bonnaroo in June. I'm going to have a really good time. No one's going to get arrested. And he's paying. <laughs> no, I'm going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> can't go back to America, um, and uh, so. Yeah, so over the course of the kind of day and a half, I managed to wrangle the guys to get some money together mm. and get in contact with the lawyer. And I remember really clearly um, at the point at which I was like, okay, cool, I've got this. And look, our friends in the States who were incredible and everyone was very worried about John and there was a lot of like liaising. He only he could only get hold of one person. In fact, I'll throw back to you because that's kind of a relevant time for Cool. So, you know, here I was, this was actually, I was still on the drunk tank at the stage and I remember, you know, thinking, I'm allowed one call. <laughs> you're, you're, I've seen in the movies you're allowed <laughs> one call. And who the fuck am I going to call? And I went, I said, can I have the New Zealand Embassy, please? And I literally, they got the New Zealand Embassy on the line for me, and, and I spoke to some guy, I can't remember his name, I think he was in Washington, I think, and uh, he said, well, Mr. Maybury, uh, I'm afraid we can't do anything for you, I'm afraid, but um, uh, is there someone that we can notify? Um, and so that was a bit of a bad uh, Washington DC accent. I really don't know what that what they look like. I was planning to go to DC, but obviously I didn't. I didn't get that far. And um, and I said, well, I don't know telephone numbers. Who remembers telephone numbers? They're all on your phone. But I remembered. Okay, here's my, here's my sisters and um, and 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 to Peter, who was um, my count and uh, and great friend. And. Um, in the end, um, the, 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 no one got the emails because they went all, all went into spam. I never got anything from New Zealand Embassy, not even wow. in spam. Yeah. Never got anything. And we contacted them as well and never got anything. Yeah. So that's Because that's everyone's first thought, yeah. Yeah. So if tra- you're in trouble. Is- tra- traveller beware, uh, maybe the New Zealand Embassy in America isn't yeah. really the way to go. Because you'll just be yeah. lost somewhere, you know? I think the New Zealand Embassy in New- here would need to contact, or the government here needs to contact the embassy overseas for them yeah. to be of any use to you. During this time in the drunk tank, I remember getting a call from Stephen. Now, Stephen... 
uh, as a as a as a long time friend. We went to school together, and you know, so we've known each other since we were you know eleven or twelve. And he's been a great mate. And uh, he rang me, and it was one of those first people that you hear. And yeah, there's lots of lots of tears around. Oh my mm. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm in this predicament. Yada yada. And he said, "Mate, we've got you. Mm. It's sorted. We've spoke to Jennifer. Uh, we've spoke. You know, P- P- Peter has. We've 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 got the lawyer for you. Mm. So we've got it all oh. sorted. You just need to sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Um, enjoy the comfort service of uh, um, of Franklin County. So fast forward. Um, I'm literally in this in this in this uh, a pod." And you know, there's there's a there's a system, right? So um, uh, each pod is connected through a door that's obviously locked, and it's like a messaging system. So if some pod wants to get some tobacco, and you could get a finger of tobacco, a finger of tobacco for ten American dollars, which would give you about three or four cigarettes, right? And it's like, you, the, 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 it's just for me at this stage. I'm like, I've been here for two days. I'm like, I'm thinking. There's a book in this world. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm reasonably okay with my past and I'm complete with who I am as an individual. Yes. And I just went, this is an experience. Let's just capture the experience right. of it all rather than go into the depths of despair of going, oh, my God, I'm in jail. What do I do? Mm. It's like, well, things will look after itself. Oh, I and know you, you knew I've at this stage some... that, that we were onto it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So literally, I knew things would be in motion. I trusted that my friends <laughs> uh, would d- d- be, be the people that I know them to be yeah. around me. Had yeah. I been that much of a prick in my life that they wouldn't do anything? No. I think, I think people in this circumstance, um, you know, a lot of lot of my family members might have said, "Well, John, you know, you've might have taken some drugs before in your life, so therefore you you you, you get your just desserts." Right. And I'm like, some family members were like that, but others, but largely they came around and said, "No, we we, we really want to help you um, get through this." So anyway, um, so this messaging system would go through and literally just get this message, and I was allowed out of lockdown and I met the pod leader. Now the pod leader was probably 30 years of age. He was in there for murder. Far out. And he took me aside and said to me, oh my God, John, finally I got someone to talk to because everybody in here is half-wets. And it turned out out of 43 men, he and I are the only educated people in this entire pod. Everyone else is like Randall and Bubble and we're Goldilocks. And, and he was just like, oh, my God, somebody. And he said, come up, come into my cell. Um, would you like a chocolate bar? And I'm like, I'm like okay, whatever. So, but I do remember coming out of lockdown. I remember going, thinking to myself, should I be this? Sh- should I be safe? Should I be masculine? Should I be right. the? Should I be masculine, John, or should I be gay, John? Mm. Should I be? My, should, should I be myself, or should I put on an act? And because all we ever heard of heard of jail, and again, remember this is jail, yeah, not yeah, prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, it's an experience that I've never experienced before, mm. and I, I want to be safe. I want to make sure that I get out of here in one piece. Mm. There could be some crazy fuckers in here, and there were. Mm. And I remember coming down the stairs and all these guys wearing orange are looking up at me and I went, G'day there, I'm John from New Zealand. Wow. In a sort of gay, sort of masculine <laughs> way. Uh, and, and they just went, half, 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 half. And the common link, as Jennifer alluded to earlier, the common link with everybody in that pod was, 
everybody in that pod said, uh, oh, my God, can you just talk a little bit more? Because your accent is just so funny. And I went, sure. sure. <laughs> and then the guards called me out. They uh, Obviously, I had some medication I needed to take. And, you know, yeah, yeah. so I had to go and see the pharmacist. Yeah, yeah. And they had obviously rung my doctor and etc. Anyway, and they sat me down and they said exactly the same. Oh, my God. Your accent is just so funny. I, I, that's my only way I say it. Please, can you just talk a little bit more, please? What'd you say? Anything? And I was like, well, what would you like me to say? You don't like, need to, yeah. You know. I mean, and especially in the South, they just think we're so cute. Yeah. Like, we love the way they speak. They love the way we speak. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good thing. So this, this whole pod system was all around a, like a security guard cell. And it's kind of like, it's just, it's just glass or plastic and everything's locked down and there's a button that you can press to talk to the guards like can you turn the air conditioning down or can you when's food arriving <laughs> and uh, breakfast was served at 7am uh, lunch and, and, and grits you were given a, a plastic spoon and a plastic cup yeah. literally uh, and then lunch was like a bologna sandwich or what is it peanut butter and jelly sandwich and I'm like oh, shit this is fucking awful you can have that uh, and then dinner was was actually Okay, yeah, um, but you know, like minute steak, the most basic steak that you can get. Um, and to give you a perspective of Franklin County, and this is I'm, this is a huge learning curve for me, was um, if you're drunk and disorderly in Nashville, if you're, found, if you're arrested drunk and disorderly, the penalty is six days in the county jail. If you're drunk and disorderly in, the, in Franklin County where I was arrested, the penalty is 60 days. Wow. So to give you a perspective, all these people in this jail, um, were, they'd, they'd largely done, well, I mean, I didn't get into the detail, shirt lifters, skirt lifters, whatever, whatever. They, they were in jail for a very good reason. But remember, everybody's innocent. But, you know, it's interesting because when, when in amongst this, we were ta- I was talking with our friends and it was something that Jeff Cree said, which is the American justice system is based around time and money. That's what they want. They want your time and, they, and it's about money because most of the jails are privatised and it's you just got to give them money and do your time and yeah. you will be out. Yeah. And each state is different and each county within each state also can be different. And so you're dealing with a system that's so completely different to ours. It also sounds like a hunt I do some hunting yeah. and it sounds like you were hunted yes yeah, you know, yeah totally, totally. And, and we are so naive when we travel as New Zealanders because we, we live in such a different space and, and the way that we operate with each other is Correct. completely different. And I've had that, that moment of reality many times in my travels around the US where I feel like, oh, this is just like home. Mm. And then that somebody will say something, I'm like, oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Exactly. This is nothing like yeah. home. Yeah. So I remember, you know, uh, uh, tobacco would arrive. Well, and it's like, you know, okay, I, you, know, you got to remember that it's just, you've got all this time time and money. You've got all this time to just fill with your day. You'd wake up at 7 o'clock, we had breakfast, you'd go back to bed, uh, you'd wake up and then people would pace, people would walk, people would talk, messages would get passed through and then suddenly someone would come up to me and say, John, we've got some tobacco. Whoa. And I went, what does that mean? <laughs> um, do I need to pay for it because I haven't got any money? And so, you know, there's a, there's, if with your social security number, you could access a phone system, which I couldn't access because I don't have a security, social security number. And then, but with your cell number, you could access to get, put money, someone would need to put money on it from the outside so you could buy moisturizer. Which one of the boys or, did that for you, right? And one of the, well, not, not, 
one of the, the pod leader gave me access to the phone right. system. So the pod leader, his name is Charles. And I, anyway, I just want to come back to the story about mm. the tobacco because it's it's quite it's just quite amazing. So everyone would got we've got some tobacco. You go back to the cell. You kind of close the door, and literally it's like you've got toilet paper. And you've got, you know, how those, those, you know, it's like a, like a school where you've got those, those light systems which are built into the ceiling. And literally somebody grabs a toilet paper and someone has to hold, get their fingers between the ceiling and this unit and pull the little wire out. It was like, this is incredible. Yeah. It's like we're trying to light a cigarette yeah. from, the syst- from the lighting system and someone's trying to spark it and then you've got the toilet roll and I'm like going this is, this is freaking amazing I wish I had a camera to capture this and then suddenly then someone's got a spark and they'd roll up this big thing of toilet paper and hang it from the, from the air vents what have you and this is, so they've got the fire and then it's like okay what's the paper the King James Bible is a very good rolling paper and they'd roll up and they would turn around and literally someone would pass the cigarette around Damn. And for me, it was, you know, after doing that a few times, uh, I had a newfound relationship with my, I'm going to use this language, with my cellies, with my cellmates, mm. that, you know, they listened to me when I told them to, you know, calm the fuck down and relax and what have you. And, um, and by this stage, um, I'd kind of been getting to know the pod leader, Charles, and he said to me, he said, he said, John, you're gay, aren't you? And I went, oh, yes. Um, cool, we've got a bisexual guy in here. Maybe you guys can get together for your 50th birthday. <laughs> and I went, well, it's not exactly how it works, yeah. but sure. <laughs> um, so long story short, I'm part of the 1% of American inmates who had consensual Sex in jail <laughs> for his fiftieth birthday. Yeah. For my fiftieth birthday, wearing orange. <laughs> but, <laughs> we went on a psychedelic trip. <laughs> exactly. This is some next level story. Can I just pin it for a sec? Is anyone freezing? Because it's there's a wind. Should I get a blanket or we? Yeah, thank you. Would be good. Yeah, I'm a little bit cold. Yeah. I've got a little bit yeah, of shivery going on. Jackie, on if you want. Yep. I mean, we're you know we don't have to. We're not on TV, so yep. we can take a second. Yep. We've probably got about fifteen minutes to go. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay. We've got some blankies. Got some blankies, warmer now. Oh, all right. So um, Charles was really great where he kind of said, okay, well, I know you don't have a social security number, so I'm going to give you access to the phone system, which is all recorded. And by this stage, I'm like going, I've, I'm this fountain of knowledge. I've learned so much about the American system, and I've learned that you know I'm not going to get, I'm probably not going to go to jail because there's something called diversion. And it's like, it's your first offense. I've never been arrested in New Zealand, Australia, America, or anywhere before. So, you know, diversion is something you can, you can can pull out of the pull out of the hat. So all the while, um, and I'm thinking, I needed to tell the guard that I've. Who can I call? Who can I call? And literally, my luggage is in the back of the jailhouse, and uh, and I said I need to go and get two telephone numbers so I can call people using the the the, the jail phone system. And I went, it was Tracy and Jamie. Now, Tracy works at the White House uh, in, in, in recruitment. Also a friend from a music festival. <laughs> yeah, another music festival. And, and, and then there was like Jamie uh, Nocturnal, who is uh, one of our dearest friends from um, uh, Salt Lake City in Utah. And I was literally, I got the two telephone numbers. That's all I was allowed to do. The guard was, you know, plugged it in my phone and got those numbers out and then came back and had these... And I, literally, I, I can fully, I've got my mug shot, I've got all of, all, they give you a 
pencil and a piece of paper. I wrote down everything, wrote down everybody's names. And, um, and then literally I was, well, who should I call? Should I call Tracy or should I call Jamie? And I remember I went, I just, I tried Jamie first because um, I wasn't sure where Tracy would be. And I knew Jamie was going to be there. And literally I'm on the phone and she says, hello. It's like, Jamie, it's John Mayberry. I'm calling from jail. He said, I didn't do anything. I didn't have drugs in me. That was Xanax. It's all been a made-up charge. And she's just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. So she then gets on the other phone and calls me because we're not staying in the same spot. And so she's got John on one phone and me on the other. And she's literally putting two phones together so that I can hear him and talk to him. Wow. And I'm trying to say, John, it's, got, it's fine. I've got this. We've got this. This is what I've done. And he's telling Jamie, here's the password to my bank account. This is what you're going to need to access my, you know, blah, blah, blah. Here's everything that he thought we needed, and I'm telling him everything that we've done. Mm. So at that point, and then the, Jamie and I met. She gave me his her phone because that was the only phone number that John had and he couldn't dial internationally from the jailhouse system so he couldn't phone me directly he couldn't phone anyone in New Zealand he could only phone American numbers Mm. so Jamie and I connected at the festival I got her phone and then he called me the following morning and it's funny because when you listen to John tell the story now to a degree he's quite cavalier about it Mm. like it's a funny story but at the time I remember when he phoned me at 6 o'clock in the morning or whatever ridiculous time it was and I answered I set an alarm because I'm at a music festival you know so it's a lot of (laughs) stuff going around around the outside and I said allowed to make sure that I would wake up so that when John phoned me I'd be awake and he wasn't cavalier he was shitting himself because he was in jail in in America but by that stage we had everything in place and so it was a lovely conversation of it's going to be okay this is what we've done this is what's going on the boys have got this the money's been transferred the lawyer's in place he believes he'll get you out and so that was for me was like a a sense of like right and then I had another conversation with Steve Fossey who said, it's fine Jen and it's what Steve said to me and I will never forget this and every time I see him I give him a big hug about it, he's like, you, you can let it go, it's not on you anymore, let it go and the funny thing for me in terms of like just synchronicity and, and, and life and how things happen is I walked away from having that conversation with Stephen Fossey, uh, Niles Rogers was playing at uh, at Bonnaroo that year and I'm a massive fan I love disco music and I love him particularly so I'm like cool I can go and actually see an act and relax and not worry and not be having like all the stuff going on in my head I walked uh, into where Niles Rogers was was playing waiting for him to come on and this woman came up to me and said would you like to dance on stage with Mr Rogers and I was like yeah wow sure and so she grabbed me and my husband and my girlfriend and took us off to a side area and we waited for a few minutes and then the next thing they lead us up to the back and we did the whole show from the stage with him, dancing with him. And, uh, and it was funny because the rest of our crew were like, where are Jen and Kamal? Like, where have they gone? What's happening? And, uh, and then the next thing, one of them looked up and it's like, oh, shit, <laughs> they're up there. Wow. Yeah. And I'm oh, sorry, just on that, because I think it's really important for me too, is that the, the friends that we had were amazing. Like, they were very concerned about John. But there's a difference between people who are, who are a concern and then people who action shit. And the other person who needs a huge head, like, high five for the contribution is Kamal. Because mm-hmm. he was incredible for just, like, getting stuff done in the order that we needed to get it done to make sure yeah. that we got everything in place for you. So, literally, at this stage, um, uh, you know, it might have been the, the Saturday or the Sunday, and I'm literally... 
I remember um, having all these. I had I learned lots of card card <laughs> games. Uh, I play. I want to play a lot of cards. Yeah. Um, I had had conversations with maybe twenty of the forty three people that were in that pod, um, and I wrote down all their names. And I, the pod leader was like, going, "So it's your birthday on Monday?" And I went, "Yep." So we're going. We're going to get you a birthday cake. Wow. We can get anything that you want in this pod, and even even the guards will contribute because it was like it's someone's fiftieth birthday, and it was like. And listen, so it was a Monday. It's it's the day of my 50th birthday. I'm looking down. I'm wearing my orange elasticized pants and my lovely <laughs> orange clogs. And um, and I'm like thinking, okay, I'm going to press that button and go, I want to bond out. Because all the while when they deliver food, all the guards would say, are you are you bonding out? Because they, they want you to pay the friggin' $10,000. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, no, no, I don't have $10,000. <laughs> I do, but I don't. And long story short, literally, I remember I was about to press that button, and an hour later at five o'clock, I get a call from the guards, and this is what the guards called me. They says, "Mr. Flat of the Concords." <laughs> so this is like going, um, "What?" It's the only reference, especially in those in the south or in areas that are not like urbanised. Yeah. It's the only reference to New Zealand most of them yeah. have. It's the Flat of the Concords. Yeah. Mr. Flat of the Concords, there's a lawyer up here in the in the in the front of the jail. You gotta come see him. And literally, I, I walk up there, and uh, I can't remember his, his first name, but I, I will I will dig it down in my little in my little notes. Uh, and Venus, Venus was a former district attorney, and she was definitely she wore the pants in that relationship. It was amazing. <laughs> and she said, they, I, I sit up there, and I'm just like I'm crying. Uh, I wasn't so cavalier. I was like <laughs> going, Oh my god. People love me. People care about me. I mean, I'd had calls from Stephen. I'd, I'd had notes from guards saying, uh, Flower of the Concords, we just had a call from Jan and Sue in New Zealand. I think they want to say they, they love you. Oh, what? And it's just like, it's wow. just totally surreal. You know, it's, anyway, I literally get there and there is, Venus and the guy lawyer and they said, John, we're going to get you out of here. And by this stage, uh, what I hadn't, you know, people like going, well, how did you get out? And literally what the lawyer had done, he'd gone to see the judge on the Monday morning and he said to the judge, uh, come on, Xanax, because that's all they kind of knew, Xanax um, has, you know, $100,000 bond. Come on, let's bring it down to $10,000. And the judge agreed. So $10,000 was the bond set, so I was allowed to get out on $1,000. Jennifer would finish the story as to who put up the bond (laughs) and the bond on the house. So the friends that we had met the year before, John and Angelique, at this point we we had flights to go to the next festival, which was in Delaware, and my job was done. Like I'd set everything up. There was nothing more I could do. There was no point in us delaying our trip or staying where we were. So we we carried on with our plan and uh, and organised to get ourselves to Delaware and John and Angelique who we were staying with said we will go and get John. They didn't even know him. But we'll go and get they knew the story. They'd been involved every step along the way. We'll go and get him. And uh, and we will also get the thousand dollars because although John has access to a thousand dollars, he's in jail. Mm. So they go to the ATM machine to get a thousand dollars, and their limit for the day is not. Oh, so they can't. So they yeah, can't yeah. get the thousand dollars out. So they've only got five hundred, and now it's the, it's on them. Like they've got the responsibility to get John out of jail. We'd been partying before we went to. Um, 
to Bonnaroo before we found out about John and before all this happened at their house and their neighbours at that time are a wonderful couple, Daniel and Jesse. And Daniel is the bass guitarist for Cage the Elephant. Amazing rock band. If you haven't listened to them, you should check them out. They're they fantastic. won a Grammy Award for Best Emerging wonderful, Artist uh, two years ago. And so. beautiful people. And so... Uh, John and Angelique phoned Daniel and said we need you to go to the ATM machine and get $500 out for us because we've got to go down to Franklin County and get John out of jail. And he just said, so he come, like, and, come, totally. and, come and get my car, there's my pin number, yeah. go to the machine. So really? some random rock star from abandoned Tennessee actually got it. And then they also had to secure the other $9,000 against their property. And I got one phone call from Angelique because she doesn't really know John, she's barely met him and she said to me so we've got to put the $9,000 security against the house he won't run away will he and Mm, I was like nah John's a lot of things but he won't do that (laughs) and so they came and got him and they got him out of jail and they also then took him home and loved and cared for him until he had to go back so the court appearance uh, was set at uh, I think the 20 uh, I was out of the evening of the 11th of June I literally cried all the way from Franklin County to, to Nashville, rang Jennifer, rang guys in New Zealand and just said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then it was it was moving and what have you. Uh, and the bondsman, Marshall was his name. I might, I might issue, can I just turn around? Can you just grab that, that brown bag for me? Is These are some of the little things that I kept. So literally, uh, this is the, um, I know you're about to do a close-up of that one. That is a close-up of, of the lighter that... Um, uh, that Marshall was handing out when I came out of jail. It looked, I'm in my shorts and what have you, and they, he just handed out lighters and pens. And the bond says, you know, uh, uh, Cumberland bail bonds. One call does it all. <laughs> and I'm like going, I'm sure I'll take a lighter. Sure I'll take a lighter. And he's just like this big birded, you know, Tennessee guy. And he's like, you know, we're, we're always knew you're going to get you out, boy. And you know, it's like, boy, okay. Um, and um, anyway. So I get out of jail and they've still got my passport, right? So I've got to go back to court. And the court date was, I said, was uh, the, let's go, I think, the 26th of June. And, and I'm due, you know, by this, this time, my, my itinerary was the same as Jennifer's pretty much was. He was coming you know, to Delaware to go to Firefly. Go to, I was going to Washington, D.C. Then we were going to, to New Firefly, York. go to New York, go to Reykjavik. Go to your wedding, come back, have another <laughs> 10 days. In, in another 10 days in New York, fly back to Los Angeles on the 30th of June to come home, and everything was paid for. Everything was paid for, <laughs> and you cannot claim convictions on travel insurance. Another good thing to know, note to say. <laughs> well, I'm sure you probably could if you. If no, I don't on, think you no, really I can. Don't think <laughs> I don't so, think that's a legitimate reason. So literally, you know, I it was it was stinking hot. And we might have had a few parties at, at, at John and Angelique. You know, I had my belated 50th birthday. I had a lot of explaining to do. Well, there yes, was, yes, you know, there were family members who were concerned. There was like, you know, I remember my, my niece saying to my sister, to Tui and, and, and Jan saying to, uh, Tui saying to Jan, it's like, what's Xanax? And, and Jan went, I don't know, but it sounds really good. Should we get some? <laughs> so, I think we all could have done with a bit of Xanax at oh, that point in the game. Man. So anyway, long story short, um, I'm literally uh, and, and just to finish off the 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 leaving jail, you know, is there was a sense of camaraderie 
you know, when you're stuck, you're a gay man stuck with 40, 42 other uh, men mm. in a pod that is not very big and there's lots of pacing, lots of talking, lots of candid conversations, lots of, you know, John, you're going to have sex up on that cell and everybody, here's this pod leader saying, everybody, just let them go and do their thing. Wow. And I'm like, mm, whatever. <laughs> um, there was this, you know, I'd had some time with these people and... Admittedly, I'm sitting having conversations with people. I'm wearing orange, they're wearing orange, so we're all innocent, right? Yeah. But they listen to me. And I, uh, I remember saying to Zach, who, who was, um, uh, this is on the last day uh, of me being in jail, and he was writing a letter to the judge to say why he shouldn't be in jail. And he says, dear judge, I should not be in jail because I have not done anything wrong and I should be at home with my family. And I went... Zach, 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 halfwit fucking talk. Let's frame this properly, right? Dear judge, right, Just you just describe it with a pencil and paper. Dear judge, um, my name is Zachary. Um, I'm in jail because I've done this. I've taken responsibility for my life, and what I've learned from being in jail is X, Y, and Z. What you can expect from me is, and literally, I was spouting this information out. I said, where the fuck did this come from, Will? Where did this come from? This ability to coach, to communicate to fellow men mm. um, around how to grow up. Mm. And I literally, when I left, I cried. I cried because, yeah, I wanted to get out of jail, but there was this experience that I had... Um, um, I just had this wonderful experience in jail. Mm. I mean, because I'm largely, you know, as I said before, I'm kind of complete with my past. There's nothing. I just saw it for what it was and had an experience. And I cried because these people, these, these men I'd gotten close to. Yeah, well, it takes a second even for me to hear that, to process it, right? Because you're going up against everything you've been taught. So... I don't know how to quite to say this, but it seems it seems like jail was more fair than the real world. And I say that carefully because, look, I don't know the darkness of everything, right? But I do know that real life, as you described, on your way somewhere, that was a certain level of darkness that was creepy, that was psychology and trickery and hunting yeah. and looking for trophies, something like Predator, a true Predator, yep. right? And stripped away all you had left was trying to survive or whatever you thought and then dealing with people in real time and it's and, and that's fair. the thing is like human to human yeah. it almost always works out yeah. because with the exception of a small percentage of the world that is a sociopaths mm. and those people are not necessarily in jail yeah. like I feel like in, in my experience in America I've met more sociopaths yeah and I've never been to the prison system, but you know, like the the, the so-called leaders of our mm. of societies are more likely to be f people we should be scared of mm. than the people who fall at the bottom of the heap. Hundred um, percent. And I, li I li we both live up on K Road, and mm. it's the same. It's the same up there. Like the people who who the conservative middle wealthy class of New Zealand might look at and go. Yeah. Dodgy. Yeah. Actually, a lot of the time, some of the sweetest people you're ever going to meet. Yeah. You know, so where you find evil or where you find wrong is not mm. necessarily in the places you think you're going to find it. it. Yeah. So the the night before I'm due to go to court, <laughs> Angelique and I are googling on the back deck, going, 
what should you wear to court? Yeah. <laughs> and literally... Not I, the fur coat. I came to a music festival. I had one pair of jeans, which I think I'm wearing now, and um, maybe one nice shirt, which I would wear on the, wear the, on the plane. For the wedding. <laughs> the wedding. Well, well, that was the pimp jacket anyway. And anyway, so I'm literally... Um, uh, Angelique's like going... I'm sure you'll be John Size, etc. He went and wore, wore, got a white shirt and a blue tie and a and a and, 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 and a, a brown blazer and slacks and, and and I think I wore my own shoes. And so, like, okay, you're ready for court. And then it was sort of like, fuck, what do we do now? And literally, so the next morning we went to the Franklin County court system, and you know, we're, 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 there's kind of like this, I've called it arraignment or or what have you. There's, there's the the courts in in in, in session, and there's the the court people and there's all these people it's kind of like a church and, and pews and pews of, of, of kind of rows of, of, of people and literally the, the judge would call out the person's name and I think you've um, seen, we've seen this on TV you know the, the, the way the court system yeah, looks and it's kind of it's, it's, it's very similar and literally all the judge wanted to know is did you have um, did you have a, a, a lawyer that you've got or a or court appointed lawyer lawyer and they got to me, and uh, it says, Mabry John Jared. So that's me. I'm here. Yes, I'm here. Cool. Um, and, and then Venus and the lawyer stand up, and, uh, and they said, we're looking out for John Mabry. And um, the, the judge looked down to Venus and said, hello, Venus. Nice to see you again. Yeah. And, and, and Angelique was like, they know each other. It's a good sign. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hilarious. Anyway, so anyway, my lawyer goes to the district attorney and he says, has the Xanax been sent to the state lab for testing? District attorney says, no. Why is that, says the lawyer. Oh, well, district attorney says, we've lost the evidence. He tells this to Angelique and someone like, they've lost the evidence, they just give me my passport back and I can go. It's like, well, we'll think, no, 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 no. They knew this was going to happen from the moment they arrested me. Right. It's all Time and money. revenue raising. So to get my passport back, I needed to plead guilty to possession of. So I went from a felony to a misdemeanor. misdemeanor. Now, okay, I had a ping out. I take responsibility for my life. I had a great experience, but I just needed to front up and own that. And, mm. uh, and you know, to anybody I've told the story to, I absolutely own it. And literally, then the then the the, 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 the lawyer says, "Well, you need to pay the fine now uh, to get your to get your passport back, so you don't have to come back to Franklin County." And, and he looked at me, and I went. I was looking at my phone, and I was like, "Well, it's three o'clock in the morning in New Zealand. Um, uh, how much is the fine?" He said, "It's like three 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 thousand American, whatever. It's like five thousand New Zealand dollars." And I'm like, thinking, looking at my phone. I look at Angelique, and she doesn't. I haven't got any fucking money. Mm. And then and then this lawyer looks down at me, and looks to Venus, and he look, looks down at me, and says. John, and you know, I'd met him the week before, in between the the the, the, the two weeks I had in Nashville. And looked at him and said, "John, you seem like a nice, kind fella. I tell you what, I'll do. I'll put your fine on my gold Amex, and and then you can pay me back later. How's that?" I mean, who does that? And then Venus looked at me and says. Another southern. I've been a lawyer for 40, 40 years, and I've never seen a lawyer put his client's fine on his credit card. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Really? Is we went in, 
the, the, the whole court proceeding of, you know, pleading guilty for, okay, I, I probably should have pled guilty. I, I was guilty. Uh, was the scariest part. Not the jail, not the, n- n- none of that. Yeah. Was being in front of a judge with, a, with two people, with another guy wearing orange, I was in plain clothes, or in my nice little get up, uh, all borrowed by John. And literally, it was um, well, just repeat say, after Once you me. say guilty, then you're throwing yourselves over to a system yep. that up until this point hasn't been particularly good to you. Correct. So it's, that's a lot to be able to just go, okay, I'm going to do this and mm. see what happens. I, the thing I remember was when you got out of court and you called me. I think we were in Iceland by this stage. And he phoned me to say, I'm, I'm, I'm out, it's done, I've paid, I'm free. And I remember saying to you, so you remember that conversation we had before we left to go to America? And I said to you, if we have a repeat of last year, you're on your own. <laughs> Turns out I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but so, don't ever do that to me again, John Mabry. No, no. And the other thing that sorry, I, for sorry, me, what? sorry, just before it, because I'll be the last thing I have to say is, so when I, when I, the whole thing wrapped up and we got back to Los Angeles um, and I saw Lionel and Lionel said to me, so Jen, turns out if you're ever banged up abroad, I'm not the person that people should be phoning. It's you. And I was wow. like, that's hilarious. But I don't ever want to have to do that again. <laughs> so the long story short, the um, I obviously got out. Uh, and um, I really want to acknowledge uh, some true friends. Greg Pearson, Stephen Fossey, Peter Summich, uh, guys that I went to school with, Chris Poltridge, Carl Frenich, uh, guys that I went to school with who are friends for life. Um, there is nothing quite like investment in good friends. Mm. Um, the moral of the story is invest in your friends. I am so grateful. <laughs> I am so grateful. And I'm so grateful for the guys that I went to Ross Mini College with who stood by me thick and thin, rang the court, rang me, said, John, we've got this. Mm. And you know, it's like, even if I didn't have the money, I'm certain they would have. Of course they would. They would have paid, paid I had, out. I had, I had behind the, um, I'm going to phone Chris, because ha- that's my moniker, the queen of the plan B. I had like, how else can I do this? Yeah. And there were other people. Like if I'd gone to the Coachella Hippie group and said, John's in jail, everybody needs to give me 50 bucks, you know we would have got you out. Yeah. yeah. People are amazing like that. Yeah. People, And that's the thing that to me I love about when you build those sort of communities is the, the ability for people to rally. I mean, there's so much of it going on right now. Look at what's happening with Australia. Where's the money coming from yeah. to fund what's happening in Australia? Mm. More of it's coming from crowdfunding than it is coming from the government exactly. right now because yeah. people care about people. Yeah. So thank you, guys, you know, to, to, to my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for being the person I know you to be. And don't do that again. Okay, well, so the long story short is I have a misdemeanor. I can't go back to America for five years. Mm-hmm. My sentence was unsupervised detention, whatever that is. Um, and a misdemeanor means I cannot go back to America for five years. So 2023 will be a very good year. We might have a little part. No, we won't be doing anything. Not in Tennessee. Not in Tennessee. We are not going back to that level. Lovely farm, beautiful place. But when I got back, I did want to kind of complete the story. Is when I got out of jail, my lawyer said, have no contact with the, the jail. Right? So that whole experience, that camaraderie that I experienced, I wasn't allowed to do that until I got back to New Zealand. And I wrote a letter to Charles 
the pod leader, the guy who was in for Murdo, who said to me, oh my God, some, everyone else is half-wits in here. Mm. And this was his reply. So, excuse me, I get a bit teary because it's really, when I read this, it really comes back to me. Hi, John. How you how you doing, bro? I hope all is well for you. And I hate to hear that you won't be able to come back for five plus years. Um, Hopefully, I will be done with all this mess by then. Um, so they lost all the Xanax. That's funny as fuck, bro. My case is still taking its sweet-ass time, bro. But I keep my faith in God. So Cage the Elephant helped you out of jail. Wow, that's friggin' awesome. All the guys in jail wanted to hear that story. I want you to know that I'm so glad that I got to meet you and that you really are an amazing person um, and someone that I could really talk to and just have a real conversation. Uh, Quinn, this a pod leader has two heavies and Quinn was one of his heavies who was the nephew of a 1971 music star, Gordon Lightfoot. It's like, the stories are bloody amazing. Uh, if you could read my mind. Uh, let's continue. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, but Terry. Um, Quinn said to tell you that you knows what you were thinking now. I think he was quite hot, but I can't remember that. Uh, yeah, I'm still good in here. You know, I run the show. Lol, lol, lol. It's hard being the boss, you know. Uh, but I hope and pray that you are okay and back on track, bro. I really um, I hope that you write back. Pen pals in jail, you've got to have those. I really hope that you write back because it was awesome to get a letter from my brother. Everyone is doing well. Send me some pics, bro. I miss you. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm writing what you asked me to do. Write back soon. You know, it's like, uh, I, and I, 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 I haven't written back since that letter, um, but I put it on my goals task board mm -hmm. this week mm -hmm. to write another letter to Charles. He'll still be there, and have a yarn. So that's my story of going to jail, what I learnt about myself, what I learnt about the goodness of others, mm. and I don't really want to do but, it again. There's a, there's a line in there where he says, I love you and I miss you, and it's, it just made me think, you know, it's one of the, within the community and the space that we inhabit in the festival world, there's a lot of I love you. And there's a lot of like very intense relationships with people that we've known for very small amounts of time. I mean, John and Angelique are probably the best example of that in the context of this story because they didn't know us. Mm. They didn't know John. And they extended themselves and put themselves out. And I feel like you know, we, we've lost somewhere along the line the ability to connect quickly yeah. with people. We've yeah. become so fearful of, yeah. of, of intimacy. Yeah. It's getting worse. You and I were talking about it before we started this morning, this, the social media world that we live yeah. in. And you can create intense relationships in a heartbeat yeah. if you choose to. And those are the relationships that often are the most profound. Correct. And, uh, and yeah, well, that, that's a very real sentiment from this guy. What I hadn't anticipated, I knew you were going to tell me about something about jail, but I hadn't anticipated that it would be the human story of you being locked up and everyone behind the scenes and I think there's something that we forget in life you know it's something I read this quote and it was you know if you stare into the abyss sometimes it stares back at you I think it was staring back at you but the quote should say 
but stand by. There's a people <laughs> out, outside of the abyss yeah. and they'll hustle. Yeah. There's no guarantees they'll get you out. But I think we forget that. Yeah, we totally. think it's just us. And there's probably another story which the money doesn't come through, the lawyer doesn't say yes, and it's a totally different ending, right? But in this case, humanity trumped, and that's that's what I, that's as a spiritual as anything I can think about. That at the end of the day, if it's all down and out, there might just be that couple people who give a damn, and it ignites something in them, and that's that's so hopeful. Hey, it's so hopeful, you know. That's. That's, that's all we've got, and yep. it makes sense, you know. There's been probably a hundred people driving around us and walking, and at the moment, us and the people listening and watching got to go on a little journey. So, you know, thank you for being brave. I, I mean, there's some liability in sharing honesty, right? Yeah, of course. Like, who you knows? Know. You know, we lo- love taking a soundbite and putting it out of context, and there's plenty we can do in that chat. <laughs> <laughs> but but good sound bites. again, there's a trust that this will sit in its entirety somewhere, as your story does. And Look, I would like to, to, to be mm. brutally honest I would really like to get my $20,000 New Zealand $20,000 back and tell the story mm. in a in a in a keynote mm. but I'm going to need some pretty damn good people Jennifer Morgan uh, to help me tell that story Lionel Passamonte and John and Angelique um, and the people who have continued to be our friends mm. our revelry friends uh, over uh, the last few years while I can't see them uh, uh, and, until 2023. Uh, until 2023. <laughs> Although they have come, to, a few of them have already come down yeah, to New Zealand. Down. Which yeah. It should be a keynote, but it should be at a festival. <laughs> yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, well, ironically, at Bonnaroo, they have this fantastic, Bonnaroo is an amazing festival, and, and for anyone travelling to America who wants to go to a festival, never mind Coachella. Coachella's done now. Bonnaroo is so much more, <laughs> yeah, yeah. except that you have to go through the whole Tennessee situation. Tennessee's a wonderful state. Just it don't is, do, don't, be, Franklin County, be just mindful, keep going straight. You know, be mindful. But be mindful. in the middle, of the festival they have a thing called Centaroo and Centaroo is a community space um, where they bring a lot of non-profits together and they um they, they share whatever that whatever their cause is and they have a centre stage in Centaroo that is used to champion those causes and I think it was the year that you were in jail there was a guy speaking in the Centaroo stage who had done 15 years in jail for mm. a crime he didn't commit so that could be the perfect place for you, except it would mean you'd have to go back to Tennessee. <laughs> it could be a bit of a challenge. <laughs> well, just maybe don't wear the pimp jacket. <laughs> go like you're dressed now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've learnt my lesson. Look, I'm always going to be flagged going through American customs. There's no, you know, simple waltz in anymore. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Do I need to go back to the States? Yeah, I would have loved to have seen New York. I would have loved to have seen DC, perhaps. But certainly, certainly New York. That's probably the only thing on the bucket list. Mm. But at the end of the day... I had something. I had a money can't buy experience, yeah. but I paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> $20,000 worth. Exactly. Look, there's a lot to process. Uh, people are going to be thinking, right? Because a podcast ironically gets you from work or dishes, but sometimes they go so deep like this that it makes us question a lot of things. So uh, I give myself permission and those listening and watching just to look, still, you know, drive on the left hand side of the road, pay your taxes, do what you need to do. I guess the story is there's a lot in there, right? There's a lot about, well, who are the good people and bad people? And I don't think it's so clear. We love to put a label on something. It sounds like the cop was the bad person. That makes sense to me. Everyone that tries to be righteous seems to be the opposite. Well, he's working in a system too. Yeah. He's just doing his job. Time and money, that's the American system. He's a prick, but he's still doing his job. But he was nice to you. Look, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a picture 
I've still got the picture of, we call it the Winchester mob, and it's a picture of the lawyer, the arresting officer, and John and Angelique in the courthouse. I've just been freed, all holding hands, doing a selfie. So I'll send you that, and I'll also send you my mugshot. I look really fucking butch. I'm just thinking clickbait. That's going to be the thumbnail (laughs) of of something. (laughs) (laughs) What was it called? Um, uh, Unsupervised um, detention. That might be the name, because that's so weird. It's opposite. Unsupervised detention. Unsupervised detention in New Zealand, and it's like for had, had so he's detained in New Zealand, but unsupervised. Unsupervised, <laughs> which is the worst possible case scenario the for thing John. Is you were really supervised. <laughs> though, oh, I think. Come on, buddy. Mm, yes. All right. Um, well, thank you both, John, Jennifer, for joining um, me today and sharing um, that brutal win came through halfway. And you know, I'm a kind of metaphorical guy, and I'm like. You had to take us to the dark bit, the cold bit. We got the blankies out yeah. and we all came back up. So yeah. um, what I hope now is, you know, there's plenty of different story arcs that happen now because it's not the rocky ending. He's still going. We're still going, <laughs> right? <laughs> Learn the story and then where does it go from here? Only you guys know. Only we all know. And uh, Well, I'm going back to Bonnaroo in June, yeah. so <laughs> who knows? <laughs> yeah, if you all get a call. Maybe you'll be on the podcast in a couple of years with another epic yarn. But, um, well, thank you. Hopefully um, uh, we blew your mind oh, and some of the listeners' minds the around through, multiple times. Um, uh, a jail story with good stuff well a people story that happened to have jail in it yeah true that yeah. true that thank you Very so much good. team appreciate it cheers mate holy moly